Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. All right, awesome. Now, um, normally I have our scriptures up there. I did them. I didn't put them in the computer. It was a step that I forgot. So um, it's, it's, it's all good. Yeah, actually all the scriptures are in your Bible, so you can find them in there. Yeah. Or you could check our app that has the notes, which, yeah, don't look ahead because then you're going to know where I'm going. I mean, oh, my word, like, so if I see you writing something on your phone, I'm assuming it's texting or no, I'm assuming it's notes, not texting, right? All right. So today, what's that? Our games. Got your favorite game. Uh, as, as Tracy was prophesying, something that really stuck out to me, uh, where the Lord said that he was going to confront or he was going to give us the power to defeat the lies. And I believe today I'm going to confront a lie or I'm going to give you some tools. I'm going to give you some ammunition to confront a lie that all every single one of us have faced. And so today's topic or today's title you got to change the title every once in a while, is From Surviving to Thriving. So let's look at Philippians 4, 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Can we just take a moment and meditate on that for just a moment? I said that I was going to confront a lie today. And the scripture, the scripture really confront, this is a truth that confronts a lie that I'm going to uh, address today. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. See, when shame entered the world, we felt like we had to meet our own need by our own strength by our own power. And it can get kind of funky when we do that. Actually, out of the Passions Translation, it says, I am convinced that my God will fully satisfy every need you have, for I have seen the abundant riches of glory revealed to me through Jesus Christ. Now, we know that earlier in that chapter, Paul tells us that he learned the secret. I love that. I believe that's in the NIV. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. So it says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. But we know earlier it says that he's found the secret to be content in every or any situation. Content means freedom from worry. Content means freedom from anxiety. 
It means freedom from restlessness. It means peaceful satisfaction. Come on. So when you read scripture, you, you, you got to put it all together. So he's talking about that he's learned this, but then later on he says, my God shall supply all you need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's actually speaking this from experience. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. The Amplified says, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. The thing that I love about this is Paul didn't say that he was supernaturally imparted contentment. Won't we like it that way? Lord, just impart it to me, give it to me, and then I just have it. But this is Paul. So I think he's got some street cred, right? He says, for I have learned. Learn means by reason of use. It means through experience. I have learned. Come on. I have learned through experiences in my circumstances how to be free from worry, free from anxiety, free from restlessness, to actually have a peaceful satisfaction in any circumstance. You might say that's impossible. And in my natural thinking, I would say, yeah, you're probably right. But the scripture says it, and it wasn't just supernaturally imparted to him. He had to learn it. He had to lean into it. He had to be intentional about it. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. Now, one thing, before I read that, I want to say something. That God is not, he is not indifferent to your needs. He's not unsympathetic towards your needs. He's not uncaring towards your needs. He says, and my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So Hebrews 14, I'm sorry, Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. Do you realize that Jesus experienced the same things that we experience? He's been through it. But we have but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Well, here's the conclusion. Let us then, because of this, because God is not indifferent to our needs and our weaknesses. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this truth is because much of our human existence is centered around the fulfillment of our needs. Either we're looking to get them met, we're trying to help people in need. It's all consuming. And the crazy thing about it is, Paul said, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 
that God desires to meet every single one of your needs. So I believe we were created to have needs so that it would draw us into a, it would draw us into a relationship with our creator. What did, let's see, Hebrews, we don't know who, we don't know who the author was, <laughs> so I can't say it was Paul. We can guess, maybe Paul. We'll just give it to Paul because Paul did a lot. So we'll just, for overachievers, we're just going to allow that. So he said, in time of need, what should you do? It said, let us approach God's throne, throne of grace with confidence in our time of need. So our needs by design were to draw us into intimacy with our God. But what does shame do? What does fear do? When we have shame and fear, we'll hide. We won't want to run into the throne room of grace. We're going to hide. But our needs, if we understand them and understand the purpose of them, it's to draw us into relationship. It's to draw us into connection with our creator. This is why we need to have a healthy understanding of our needs. Because if we don't, it will produce dysfunction, fear, chaos in our life. So today, I want to have a healthy discussion on needs. (laughs) Every single person in this room understands what it means to have a need. Now, normally I say the majority of people, because you know when you teach youth or you teach chapel at school, you can't say everybody because I could say, we need air to live. And one kid will raise their hand and say, no, I do not. (laughs) So in this case, I am for sure (laughs) that every single person in this room understands what it means to have a need. You know what it feels like to have your needs met. Oh, that feels good, doesn't it? (laughs) And we also know the pain that we feel when our needs go unfulfilled, right? So needs are essential, they're necessary, they're required for life. I'm not talking about wants here. I'm not talking about desires. I'm talking about needs, things that you must have for a healthy life. How many of you would agree that when your needs are not met, it's not a pleasant experience? When our needs are not met, dysfunction or disease occurs. And that can manifest itself physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Most of our anger and frustration comes from needs not being met. How many of you would admit that you're the person that if you have not eaten, people do not want to be around you until your need has been met? Right? No one knows what I'm talking about. That's just me. I can get real nasty. Aaron's like, just let me know if you're going to fast. Please warn me before the fasting happens, okay? (laughs) But when your needs are met, right, we're happy and we find fulfillment and we're strengthened. Like I said before, most of our world revolves around the pursuit and fulfillment of our needs. From the moment you are born to the moment you die, our human existence revolves around the fulfillment of needs. And when you're a baby, you need someone to actually meet them for you. (laughs) So this is why I want to have a healthy discussion on needs. So let's look at needs at a very practical sense. 
if I told you, now we all have the need for oxygen, except that one kid in chapel that thinks he's funny. All right. <laughs> you, you understand what I mean, Travis? All right. So let's say we held our breath. And so the first thing that would happen, you would get all this big air and there would be energy and adrenaline, right? You're holding your breath. And then eventually, increasing levels of discomfort will happen. You're like, okay, I'm going to do this. He said to hold his breath. I'm going to hold, hold my breath. And then fear and doubt comes in. You're like, why is he even asking me to do this? This is just completely ridiculous. I mean, I could die here, seriously die here. And then what starts happening? If you're really into it, you're going to fight. You're going to do everything in your power to hold your breath. But eventually your need for air will override your willpower to hold your breath. Right? So our need for air is constant, but hardly ever thought about until you're lacking it. We need air all the time. All the time. Most of us don't think about it until you're lacking it. But this example also tells us something fundamentally about our desire to meet our needs. The pull of an unmet need is stronger than your willpower to resist it. I'm going to say that again. The pull of an unmet need is stronger than your desire or stronger than your willpower to resist it. Just like holding your breath, eventually you will breathe, right? It doesn't matter how strong your willpower is, you will eventually breathe. But what about other needs? Like I said, I'm not talking about desires here. I'm not talking about wants. I'm talking about something that is necessary necessary for life. Let's say I have a need for affection, but I don't get it in a healthy way. It doesn't matter how strong my willpower is. I will do, I will step outside of God's plan to meet that need if I'm not getting it in a healthy way. Do you guys see this? This is why people will do destructive things outside of their Christ-like character because they're trying to fulfill an unmet need. Now, you guys know I'm a father of three amazing children. Aiden's probably perking his head up now. He's like, what's he going to (laughs) say? So we, I'll put we in it, we created these three amazing human beings that require us to meet their need, right? And the amazing thing about that is 90% of those needs they want their mother to fulfill, (laughs) which is great. Awesome. Awesome. But I will say when they're not listening to their mother, you know who gets called? Okay, we'll just leave it at that. So these three, that, that's what their mother needs. Joel, now it's the dog. He's swallowed something and you need to reach your hand down and, uh, all right. So we have these three amazing human beings. Now we got another one. He's not a human being, but he's something. Uh, Um, so other than the dog, but they have spiritual needs. They have financial needs. They have emotional needs. 
But they also have things beyond the physical. They have emotional and psychological needs. They need acceptance and belonging. They need validation. How many of you know that a kid might not be the best artist, but when they're done, they want to show you. And they want the validation. How did I do? Was it a good job? And guess what? That need never goes away. And many times that need as an adult becomes exaggerated because we never received it as a child. And I think it's important to really understand this. Some of the things, if we can just understand how needs work, they're not, we won't allow them to lead us down a path that gets us into trouble. So my children and human, humans need love and affection. They need a sense of meaning and purpose. I'm sure the list could go on. So if our human existence, re, existence revolves around the fulfillment of needs, ours and others, it's important that we understand them and can relate to them in proper context. If we don't, our needs and the needs of others will consume our life and possibly become a deterrent to God, our God-given identity and destiny. So I want to say something uh, that's really fundamental to understanding your needs is that we were designed, we were actually created to have needs it wasn't a mistake. Are you guys following me? Because sometimes we get shame. We feel shame when we have needs. Like some parents say, what's your problem? You got a need? Yeah, I do. I do have a need. So we were designed, we were created to have needs, but we were also created to have them fulfilled. So Adam, the original human being, needed oxygen, food, water to sustain life. He needed relational partnership and connection. The truth is we were created to be need-based beings. The key is God's plan has always been to supply for every one of our needs. Let's go back to what was the Philippians. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Do you see why that's so powerful? So Genesis 2.18, then the, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. So he looked at everything he created and said, wow, this is awesome, this is good. Then he looked at man and said, wait, there's an issue here, right? It's not good for him to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So I want you to notice this. There was a need, right? Needs existed in the garden, okay? Be, before the fall, needs existed. There was a need, but then what happened? There was a provision. It is not good for man to be alone. Guess what? Solution, I will make a helper for him. That is just right for him. So there was a problem, then there was a solution. There was a void, and then there was a fulfillment. So we were designed to have our need, to have needs, but also to have them fulfilled. Having a need is not a sign you live in a fallen world. Having a need is not an accusation against who you are. Religion can get really funky. 
And we have these needs that we were created to have, and sometimes it's like, well, I don't want to put a phrase on it, but religion can say, it can just put you in a place where like, well, that's not important. What do you mean a need's not important? The need for acceptance and validation. Thank you, Father. You were created to have needs for a purpose. Although Adam and Eve were created to have needs, they were never put in a position to experience lack. I'll say that again. Even though they had needs, they never experienced lack. There was a, if there was a problem, there was a solution. If there was a void, there was a fulfillment. Genesis 2.25. Now the man and his wife were both naked. Times have changed. <laughs> now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. That word shame means to be disconcerted, which means to be unsettled, rattled, shaken, or worried. It means to to throw off guard, to be caught off guard. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they never were caught off guard. They never were shaken. They never were worried. Why were they never worried? Because every need that they had was supplied for. It means to be disappointed or delayed. Their needs were never disappointed and they were never delayed. It means to pale, to decrease in importance, lose significance, to fade into the background, to become less impressive or important. They never felt inadequate. They never experienced insufficiency. Although Adam and Eve were created to have needs, they were never in a position to experience lack. Come on. That's why they, that's why they had no shame. Every need was supplied for. So they never experienced a loss of affection or significance, validation, or meaning and purpose. And you guys are thinking, why did you do the things that you did? Because everything they needed was supplied for spiritually, in their soul, and in their body. Having a need is not a problem, it means you're human. It's okay. To have needs or to have a need. If needs are not the problem, then what is? Well, that would be lack. Lack is when a need is withheld from you, is delayed or disappointed. How many of you have experienced that? All of us. So they never experienced lack. They never had an unfulfilled need. So what changed? Why would they step outside of God's plan if everything they needed was fulfilled? Think about that. If everything was fulfilled, why would they step outside of God's plan? Some of you have the answer. Most of you do. Well, they believed a lie. Come on. Genesis 3, 4. This is the enemy. You won't die. 
The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now, the enemy presented a foreign thought into the mind of Eve. What was that foreign thought? You're in lack, and you don't know it, and God's withholding from you. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What, does it, what is the enemy still doing? God doesn't care. You got to fix this yourself. He knows. He knows if you do this, you'll really be free. Come on. So what is the enemy doing? He's saying you're in lack. You're being withheld from. You're not enough. You do not have enough. You're missing something. The enemy is still doing the same old thing. He presented a need that did not exist. Think about this. Every single one of their needs was fulfilled. They never lost significance. They never were disappointed until they thought, God is withholding something from me. Come on. And a need that does not exist cannot be met. It's impossible. That's why we go through cycles of things. Because when the enemy presents a lie that does not exist, or a need that you don't actually even need, You'll be going through this cycle of never, make, never having that need fulfilled because it's not even there. So a lie from the enemy will present you with a need that could not be met. He presents a problem that cannot be solved, a void that cannot be filled. Why does he do that? So you keep on going around the same cycle after the same cycle after the same cycle. Have you ever felt like you've been chasing something that you've never been able to catch? A problem that cannot be solved. A void that cannot be filled. Maybe one of those lies is, I am not enough. Whoa. If I just had this, then, then it would be okay. Good thing I'm only talking to myself today. <laughs> Have you ever done everything in your power to make something happen? And then when it happens, you're like, oh, that didn't really satisfy. I thought I needed that. I thought I needed that recognition. I thought I needed that platform or that opportunity. But when I got it, it wasn't the actual thing that I needed. Believing lies about yourself, others, or about God will keep you in cycles of lack. So a so-called need that is rooted in a lie cannot be met. It's impossible. Genesis 3, 6. The woman was convinced. About what? She was convinced about a lie. About God. She saw the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. Man, food gets us in trouble so much. I tell you what. 
And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. How many of you have eaten something and said, and you say, that was not wise at all. That's what happened to Eve right there. That was not wise at all. She took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, her eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame. You know that thing that they didn't have before? They suddenly felt it at their nakedness. So what did they do? They sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Before this, they were fond just walking around naked in the nude, right? That's what happened, you know? Well, you know, animals can have some judgmental glares too. I don't know if you know that. But they never felt shame. And in that moment, they felt shame. And that word nakedness in the Hebrew lexicon means thou also was naked, nakedness and necessity, meaning utterly naked and helpless. Do you see the shift there? Before they had needs, but everything was supplied for them. Now, in their shame, they're like, whoa, I'm naked and I got to fix this. <laughs> I got to control this. It wasn't only that they realized that they were physically naked, but they also came under the weight of their own need. They felt helpless. Wow. Come on. Can you see why this will confront some lies in your life? Adam and Eve felt something that they never felt before. They felt inadequate. They felt lack. They felt shame. They felt fear, and they controlled it. They're like, I got to cover myself. Remember, God's original plan was to, was to supply for all their needs. But when shame and fear entered, their world they had, but when shame and fear entered, their world they had, they had to step out outside of God's plan, basically. When shame and fear entered in, they stepped outside of God's plan to meet every one of their needs. And how, how did they meet their need? By their own ability and by their own strength. So by design, needs are meant to draw us into his presence and purpose. Okay, here's the kicker. We have needs. You're human. Awesome. That's great. It's okay. We have needs. It's fine. It's beautiful. But the purpose of them was to draw us into intimacy with God. But because of shame and fear and lack and insecurity, guess what? We got to meet our own need now. We got to do it all in our own strength. But Paul says, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So the strategy of the enemy is to present a lie so that you will focus on your strength to meet your own need rather than placing your attention on his presence and his empowerment. So lies have power when they're hidden, right? So I want to expose the lies of the enemy that would try to trick us into meeting our own need outside of God's plan. 
So when we respond out of fear, insecurity, frustration, shame, lack, or any or from any dark place, our perception of our needs will become distorted. So fundamentally, lies are a perversion of purpose. By design, we were created to have needs, but lies pervert their purpose. Now, I've used this uh, example before, but how many of you have ever been to a carnival where they had a fun house? Anybody know what I'm talking about? They had those mirrors in there. And so one of the mirrors is um, that you could be this real thin person, but you look in the mirror, right, and you're huge, right? You don't like that mirror? <laughs> that would be a cruel joke. Hey, we got you a present. Here's a mirror. And you're like, okay. All right. It was funny in my head, but it's fun. All right. So our needs will become exaggerated when they're seen through a lie. Our needs become so big that nothing could ever satisfy them. Nothing will ever be enough. Our appetite for things become too big. Our job isn't good enough. Our relationships aren't good enough. Our identity isn't good enough. Our life isn't good enough. Our dreams aren't. You get the picture, right? Because we're looking through a distorted mirror. And that's what a lie is. We're looking through something that is perverting reality. There was, an, there was another section in that quote-unquote fun house where there's all these mirrors, and when you go into it, you see 20 versions of yourself. You know that mirror? Um, it was in Enter the Dragon, an old Bruce Lee movie. All right. So our needs become misdirected. So every opportunity, every idea, every endeavor is the one that will fulfill my need. When we see our needs through a lie, we'll look and say, well, maybe this will fix it. Maybe this, maybe that, maybe this person, maybe this relationship, maybe this will make me happy. Maybe this will fill the void. Maybe this will solve the problem. Maybe this will finally satisfy the need. But if we're looking through a lie, guess what? You're never going to hit the target. Our needs become warped. It's kind of like when you look in the mirror and your head is like the size of a basketball, right? And the rest of your body is like really shrunken down. That's my favorite. In the, in the yeah, not in this one, but you get it. So you try to fix yourself based on the warped perception, which isn't based in reality. I look this way, I feel this way, so I'm trying to fix it, but it's not even reality. You're chasing a need that doesn't exist. It only exists through, exists through the warped perception. And there's a bunch more. This one's funny to me, though. The enemy will use a false need to disguise or divert you from the true need. Numbers 11, 5 through 6. We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. They ate them freely under bondage of slavery. Okay. <laughs> The cucumbers, the melon, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. You know, it's funny, like, when, when I try a disc, when Aaron and I go out to eat or whatever, and I was like, whoa, that has a lot of garlic. I'm like, Aaron will love this. She will love this. So she can relate to the scripture verse and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. 
There is nothing all at all except this manna before our eyes. If we can't, like we do this too, that's why it's funny, right? There's nothing at all except what you provided. Ouch. Man, the melons were so good and the leeks and the onions. Here's a great example of the problem not being the problem. Could the problem been they were motivated by fear? Could the problem have been they were quick to complain? Could the problem have been they were easily swayed by mixed opinions? Could the problem have been they were they have a mindset of 400 plus years of victimization? Could the problem have been they were stubborn, pig-headed, and stiff-necked? Not my words, the Lord's. Could that have been the problem? But the problem was, where's the food at? Like, that's where it all comes down to, right? All back to the food. We need a deliverance of food issues. They weren't happy with the manna, were they? They came to the conclusion that the problem was the lack of garlic and onions. Oh, we laugh, but we do it all the time. (laughs) This one's a big one. We become hostage to a self-imposed need. I need someone to say that they were wrong so I can have peace. I need them to agree that they were wrong in doing that so I can feel better. Listen, that may never happen, people. (laughs) I need them to know I was right all along. Do you hear that? I need them. I need them. I need to know why. I need to be recognized. All these are self-imposed needs that hold you hostage and bound because they may never happen. So we live bound by our own demands. I'm going to say that again. When we look at our needs through a lie, sometimes we can live bound by our own demands. Like I said, the list could probably go on and on. But the truth is, God's plan has always been to supply for every one of our needs. The question we have to ask ourselves is, has God... Has God's plan changed? Like we can look back and say, okay, the Garden of Eden, all their needs were supplied for. That was his plan, but now the plan got messed up. Is his plan still to supply every one of your needs? Okay. I think it's a valid question. Does my God, the one I serve, my good father, intend to pour out his riches and goodness on me when I'm in need? If the answer is yes and you believe it, then it should challenge how you relate to your needs. If you had a bill come in that was really big, and it could be frustrating, but if you knew that you had everything in the bank account that actually surplus of what that was, it wouldn't bother you as much because you had everything that you needed. So when we're faced with a need, we have to realize we have a never-ending source available to us through Christ. If we believe a lie, we will function out of fear. If we believe the truth and stand on his promises, we will function out of faith, which is the channel to experience heaven's reality in our lives. 
So my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My thinking is how. How does that happen? It's great that the word says it, but I want to know how. How does that happen? So the Lord gave me a few things. One is supernaturally. Right? Manna from heaven. Ravens feeding Elijah. Notice I started with all the food things first. All right? Back to the food, man. We, gotta, we need some breakthrough in this house. Back to the buffet. I haven't, no, no buffets. So through, we, can receive, we can have our needs met supernaturally. Physical healing to your bodies and emotional healing to your soul. The gift of salvation, that was a true need that, that needed to be fulfilled to restore relationship and right standing. By hearing and leading of the Holy Spirit, the restorative power of his presence, all these things are supernatural. The construction of scripture, what does it say? It was God breathed, right? That book that we hold is supernatural, these are just a few ways that God has provided for us or his people by supernatural means. And there's more, right? It's not an exhaustive list. What makes something supernatural is God doing things only he can do. Right. Okay, so when I say supernatural, it's God doing what he does best. And he, him doing things that only he can do. So those are supernatural ways. Then the other way is natural means. So this is God-designed structure that facilitate his desire to meet every need. So God has a part in it, but we have our part, which is faith. The first one is sowing and reaping. Okay. My God shall supply all your needs. Okay. He's actually created a structure for that. And one of the structures is sowing and reaping. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. But I say this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. One of the main purposes of sowing and reaping is multiplication. I'm going to say this again. One of the main reasons for sowing and reaping is multiplication. What destroys lack in your life? Multiplication, right? God loves multiplication. From the very beginning, what did he say? Be fruitful and multiply. When, when God uh, gave the, t- when, when in the parable, where uh, the master gave talents to his servants, at the end, what did he say? Good and faithful servant to who? Those that multiplied what they had. Scripture reveals God's desire for a great harvest. So you see this, this multiplication. Think of it in this way. What is the potential of a seed? What is the potential of a seed? Who created the seed? God did. 
So he had this plan in mind. When you plant a seed, an apple seed, let's say, what, what is it going to do? It's going to grow an apple tree, which has what? Apples, which have what? Seeds. Do you see this? One seed, one seed can produce a thousand apples, which can produce 10,000 seeds from one seed. Would you say that God loves multiplication? But let me ask you this. What good is a seed if you never plant it? Do you know that they found seeds in like the, the pyramids? They planted them and they still grew. 4,000 years later. What good is a seed if it's never planted? It won't produce, right? When you practice sowing and reaping, you utilize a avenue in which God created to meet your needs. Okay. So when we say God shall meet all your needs... If God created the structure of seed, harvest, and multiplication, could you say that God is meeting your need? Yes, right? So it doesn't always mean that he's doing it supernaturally for you. It means he's created a structure for you to utilize so that it can meet the need that you have. Does this make sense? So God has created this structure Now, will we have faith to utilize the system he created? Well, God, I don't see you meet my needs. Well, what have you done with the seeds that I've given you? Have you planted them? And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about a bunch of things. It's sowing seeds of affection and friendship, sowing seeds of validation. It's important to understand that God can fulfill his promise without doing it for you. Are you guys following this? God can fulfill his promise without doing it for you. But what did he do? He created a system in which our needs can be met. In Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, in context, this is before it. This is in 14 and 15. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. So Paul is saying, listen, I was in distress. I was in need. And guess what? You guys noticed it and you gave. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but only you. This is right before he said, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. So Paul was in distress. The Philippians were the only church that sent supplies. In verse 17, it said, he, sh- he shared how he looked forward to seeing the fruit that they would receive when they helped him in need. It's in verse 17. He says, I'm excited to see what happens with the seed that you have sown. He went on later to say the things sent from you, a sweet smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice and pleasing to God. Are we aware of the structures that God has put in place 
to facilitate his desire to meet our needs. So the first one, and there's more. First one is sowing and reaping. The next one is God created the church to be a structure in which his people have their needs met. We didn't like that one. Okay, we'll move on. All right. Since we just got done talking about sowing and reaping, 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I planted the seed in your hearts. This is Paul talking. And Apollos watered it. But God, but it was God who made it grow. So we were created in the image of God, which means we were created for connection with God and with man. So there are things that God supplies that cannot be experienced without relational connection with those around you. Not always fun, right? It's easier to God, do this for me. Then oh, I got to work with that person. Okay. <laughs> yes, God produced the increase, but it required both Paul and Apollos to partner together. Yeah. Is that not what it said? Paul said, I sowed. I did my part. There was another part. What was that part? It was to water it. And Apollos watered it, but it was God, it was God who made it grow. Ephesians 4.16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So a part of God's structure to meet our needs is to partner with those around us. What does it say? Each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Are you guys seeing this? So not as easy and not as clean as partnering with God alone, but it's necessary. If there are people in your life that are necessary to have your needs met, would it make sense to cultivate a healthy relationship with those people? Amen. Just a thought. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> Don't throw any knives at me, people. I'm just saying. If there are people in your life that can help meet your needs, would it make sense? I'm just throwing this out. Would it make sense to cultivate that relationship to be healthy? I don't know. I would say yes, but, right? So here Paul is referring to the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 through 27. I want you guys to get this. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body. Each of you is part of it. So Paul is highlighting how we are interconnected as the body of Christ. What does it say? If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. Now, I, I might not be saying it correctly, but when Katie preached last time, one of the phrase, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but we all have a part to play. We all have something to offer. I'm going to say that again. We all have something to offer. And if one doesn't do their part, 
we all suffer. That's what it says, does it not? So that's a challenge, isn't it? Each of us have a part to play. And when we do it, guess what? We all receive the life of it. But when we don't, we suffer from it. So what happens when we don't fulfill our part? The body will suffer. So the avenues to have our needs met is sowing and reaping, the church, and the next one is truth. Truth is an avenue in which God supplies our every need. I want you guys to get this. I'll never hit the target if I'm aiming at the wrong one. I'll put it this way. I'll never be on target aiming at the wrong one. And that's why we confront lies. You know that there were nine times in the Old Testament when the people of God stopped worshiping because they placed their attention and affection on other things. Scripture calls that idolatry. Notice they never stopped worshiping. We have a need inside of us to worship. But what are we going to worship? As a result, they came into a season of famine, poverty. And so worship would be restored. And so the famine and poverty were reversed. So the lack of worship didn't produce poverty. It produced famine. Okay, I want to say that. The lack of worship didn't produce poverty. It produced famine. But what did famine produce? It, it produced poverty. So here's my point. Many times we focus on our area of poverty. In our, many times we focus on an area of poverty in our life, whether it be financial, emotional, relational, et cetera, et cetera, and try to fix the problem of poverty rather than addressing the reason for the famine. What was the reason for famine? They put their attention on other things. Because without famine, there would not have been poverty. So the solution was deeper than the, the appeared, what appeared on the surface. Truth and understanding are what help us to aim at the right target. John eight thirty two, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the last one is simple. So the sowing and reaping, the church, truth, the list could be a lot longer than this, but I won't do that to you. The last one is seek and ask. Luke 11, 9 through 10. So I say to you, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. So our needs by design are to draw us into his presence. They're, they're meant to draw us into intimacy so that we can encounter purpose, life, find fulfillment. And that plan has not changed. Where does our attention go when we try to meet our needs by our own strength? Where does it generally go? It goes either inward 
It either goes outward, but very few times it goes upward. And that's what I'm saying today. When we experience need, run to the Father. Look to Him. Put your attention on Him. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without fault finding, and it will be given to you. And this is the real kicker. John 7, 37, 39. On the last day and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Would you say thirsty is a need? If anyone is thirsty... Come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the, the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given uh, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. But no, I want you to notice something. Jesus invites a thirsty person. He invites a needy person. Someone in need, right? And then when they encounter Christ, that same person, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that same person who had been thirsty and without sufficiency for himself becomes a channel of streams of living water. Do you guys see this? If you are in need, come to me. And guess what happens then? No longer, you're not a person of need. You're a person that actually life flows from you. Do you see the transformation? He is no longer in need, but a source of supply through the Holy Spirit. A promise for every believer, the Holy Spirit, which is a limitless resource. So you may be, maybe, maybe you've been one who has been consumed by your needs. Maybe you have been one who's been chasing after things but never finding fulfillment. Maybe you've realized that you've been believing a lie about yourself or about God. And so that it prevents you. It perverts how you relate to your needs. Jesus declared, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. By design, we were created to have our need met through intimacy with our creator. Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, help us partner with your desire to meet every one of our needs. You are our source of life. May we connect to the life that only you provide. Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to some of the things that I spoke on today. I'm sure he's been doing that already. So, Father, illuminate to us an area where we need to turn our eyes back on you. Where we've been trying to meet a need on our own strength, on our own power, on our own ability. God, we rely on you. We trust in you. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just ask for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit right now in this place. Thank you, Father. A moment in his presence can fix 
many years of difficulty and pain. So, Father, we just ask for an outpouring of your spirit right now to touch the wounded areas in our life, to touch the broken areas, to to touch the dry and cracked areas, God. Fill us, God, fill us to overflowing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.